Thanks for tuning into the Project Login Podcast. The Project Login Podcast features Mainers working in technology jobs across the state. It is meant to be a career exploration tool and follows an informational interview format. Folks from across Maine are featured, from CIOs to software developers to data analysts and more. Our goals are to expose the listeners to various technology jobs at Maine companies by people who do the work and raise awareness of education and training pathways into those careers as well as raise aspirations of young Mainers to pursue these high-wage, in-demand tech careers. Today's guest on the podcast is Caroline Dennis. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Angela. So great to be here. Thanks for being on the podcast. Of course, of course. So tell me, where do you work? I actually work for myself remotely. I am an independent agent that helps companies, projects, and people navigate disruptive industries like blockchain, like cybersecurity, immersive technologies like AR and VR and artificial intelligence. I am actually a disruptive industry agent is what I call myself. I represent startups and founders acting either as an advisor, sales agent, or both. I help them align their product or service to build market fit, grow new customer relationships gain credibility in geographic regions or technology sectors or help them scale. So right now I have two startups that I'm advising. One is a blockchain education and engagement platform that helps launch undergraduate students into blockchain and fintech careers. And another company that I'm advising and helping with sales is a global talent community for gig and full-time job seekers, and it incentivizes and rewards them for knowledge sharing and skill building. So, and I work a lot of other things too, some NFT projects and some healthcare founders. So it's really all in and around the science and technology industry. Cool. How did you get to where you are? Like, that's very interesting where you ended up. So how'd you get there? Well, I know that so many people will say that they simply fell into their careers Uh, or they got there by accident. Sure, many of us, we discover new career paths when we least expect it, right? But as someone who has advised and mentored students for over two decades, I can say that this answer leaves more questions than answers, right? For me, I believe our paths are made up of several careers, not just one. Like rooms, you can arrive in one, then discover an open window or door that leads to another and another. For me, my career really, it's kind of broken into three. My first career was in fundraising and institutional advancement. I worked during and after college for a university and then for a hospital and then for a museum. That really helped set the stage for me on building meaningful relationships and raising money for ideas, for programs, for research. It really gave me a great window into what it looks like when you're engaging with a whole bunch of different kinds of organizations and people. The second was as a technology entrepreneur and ecosystem builder. I lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico for nearly 20 years and built two companies One was focused on IT networking and security, and we did soup to nuts, consulting, security, managed services, 
and we got to work across just about every industry you can imagine. And those two companies we built up and then sold, and it really allowed me to cut my teeth in the tech space. And then the third phase of my career has been really the last 10 years being in Maine, where I was able to leverage my knowledge across so many disparate industries, technologies, and digital learning, and worked in the higher education space to really build a network, an international network, to help founders grow through partnerships and adapting to stay relevant. So I think for a lot of us, we consider ourselves to have a single career, but really I feel that we're all kind of moving through this as a set of pathways that open themselves up which I find just really fun. I agree. I think if you're open to opportunities or you start building on a set of skills that takes your interests and passions elsewhere, then you should, you should pursue that. So cool. Tell me, did you go to college or have any post-secondary training? I did. I went to Washington University in St. Louis. I came from Vermont and purely because it was in another part of the country and I really wanted to meet people from all over the place, which I did. And there I studied psychology and business. And it was really a work study job during college that sparked my interest in fundraising and development. And it's where I found my first mentor. I thought about going into graduate school from there. But honestly, my mentor at the time got me so fired up about um, working and development for the last two years of college that I really just wanted to get out to go to work. So that's what I did. So since you've had a couple of different pathways and careers, have you picked up any special certifications or credentials along the way? My foundation for the IT and technology and networking space started with a Microsoft systems engineer certification. At the time, There was six exam modules, and this was no small feat for me. Um, I'm sorry, was a big feat for me because I came from being a user in the fundraising industry to being immersed in the IT consulting world. And my husband and co-founder and I built that practice up from the ground up. And I really cut my teeth during those years In terms of networking and IT security, I handled all of the operations, proposals, customers, and marketing. So I really was able to gain experience through hands-on work, as well as getting involved in joining communities, communities in the state of New Mexico that were both focused on industry in the technology space, um, And got involved volunteering and just reading and researching technical topics. So it really sparked this idea that I could learn anything. And I think that's what is so cool about today is I think that there are a lot more mechanisms for students to learn new things. Um, YouTube is my friend and always has been. (laughs) So that's kind of how I've charted my own course. I love that. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, now that you are in Maine and you're doing this work as a, you know, disruptive industry agent, are there, you know, specific days or tasks? Like what's a typical day or week look like for you? 
So my days and weeks vary a lot, which I love. Um, and I, um, I spend usually my, my week is broken into buckets. Um, I spend a great deal of time researching technology and science innovations, um, following news, um, researching companies and people. And that also includes experimenting with tools and platforms. As you know, I know that you know that I'm very into um, immersive technology, VR and AR. So I'm constantly trying new platforms, downloading new tools. Um, the second part of what I spend my week doing is meeting with industry leaders and company builders and creators. And that work is involving a lot of different things, whether it's um, sales engagements or it's learning about what their underlying technology is doing or how they see the landscape across a number of different topics around cybersecurity or blockchain or crypto. And then really um, the, the last part of what my typical work day or week looks like is engaging with communities. And that comes in the form of serving on boards. I'm involved with um, a couple of organizations. One is the VRARA, which is an international virtual reality association, as well as XR Women. And that is a global um, virtual organization of women, all focused on the AR, VR. And I've also served as um, one of the board members for the Boston Blockchain Association in Boston. So being involved across a number of different communities is really where I find that I get energy and I also make great connections. So that's kind of how it's broken down. I feel like that's how we connected is through some of those other non sort of you know, consulting aspects, the piece about being on panels or connecting in terms of networking or events. And so uh, I've certainly used you with partners before. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's something that students and anyone who wants to get involved or find out about careers or jobs is I think that there's a disconnect in thinking that you have to be the industry expert to do that. And I think the reality is that people's voices want to be heard. You know, people want to hear from students about what their perspective is about their future, because so much of our energy right now, especially in the blockchain and crypto space is how do we build a sustainable ecosystem, right? That cares for the, the earth. And how do we do that? Well, younger people really are, have a voice and people want to hear those voices. So I think there are a lot of different ways people can get involved with different communities. Certainly. And we both encourage that for sure. Definitely. Definitely. What do you like best about your job? I love this question because, uh, and I think you already know this from knowing me, Angela, what I get really excited about is that I can live at the intersection of so many different technology industries. And that vantage point of seeing what's happening in the 360 degree view, um, it really helps me to help the people that I work for and with. It helps me help founders and creators 
make meaningful connections. It helps me leverage my creativity. Um, whether I'm helping somebody figure out how are they going to bring that product to a certain geographic market. Like there's a founder right now who is really interested in building out um, their customer base in LATAM. And I have a, a number of different um, people in my network, both in healthcare and in technology in that region. So it's it's weave, weaving together all of those different um, sometimes disparate technical communities and finding ways to make actionable things happen. That's super exciting to me. Um, so I think that's what, what I like best about what I do. It's so cool. Yeah. If there's something that's, you know, you're working on or you're consulting or advising on, you know, I'm curious if in your role, are there kinds of problems that you have to deal with? What kind of problems might they be? Sure. I think um, that, that, that comes with a few things. I guess the first thing I would say is that I work um, definitely in communities of women and LGBTQ and less, um, less seen populations. And I think that um, as much as we might all want to talk about technology being an opportunity spot for women, it is, but it's also very male dominated. And that goes for the um, crypto communities, it goes for security, it goes for a lot of different ones. So I think one of the problems that I am always looking to try to help solve is how can we pave the way and how can we involve male allies and how can we speak up? And, and that comes in a lot of different forms right now. Um, I'm involved with a number of projects that are involved in the metaverse. And even in the metaverse, there's a lot of, um, a lot of that same energy, it filters through. And I think that it's going to take a lot of, um, as I like to say, the village to be able to support women and help them be seen and give them more opportunities. And a lot of that stuff has to happen within, um, one of the other things that I think is sort of ironic that I deal with a lot is um, technology issues. And, and you know this too, Angela, um, you know, you might have all the coolest XR platforms, um, things that are bleeding edge, right? I'm, I'm on any number of different um, worlds at any given time, whether it's on my headset or on my browser, and things don't always work right. They don't always, <laughs> they don't always function. So I think that um, that is one of those things that I have learned over time that instead of, you know, complaining about things not working, we have to find ways to, to resolve them, but also know that um, that's sort of par for the course because we're working with things like in the NFT space there, it's really still the wild west there are amazing platforms out there and projects, but it takes a lot of time and due diligence to evaluate those solutions and try them out. Um, we worked on an NFT project um, a couple months ago, and we were trying to find uh, a good platform to do minting with. And you'd be surprised, there are so many minting platforms, but there are a lot of companies that haven't actually delivered that much of their product yet. 
In other words, they haven't had that many large scale projects happen on their platforms. And that's always a little bit of a challenge because you think if they're putting their pages out there and they're putting their info out there, then they must be a really powerful project. Well, not so. And that's just because this is, um, it's a little bit like the Wild West. It's still being created. But I will say on that same note, that's why I say this a lot. If you're a young person looking to get into a field that involves any form of technology, this is incredible because we're at a point where there are whole entire industries or jobs that really didn't exist a few years ago. And that means that people are all learning together. They're learning new things. So you're not dealing with an industry that's been around forever and ever and ever. And there are all kinds of different experts who've been in it for 25 years. Not so. So I find that to be a really exciting side of, of this industry. Exactly. And so much opportunity. I mean, like, you know, we might be preparing for people for jobs that don't exist yet. Right. So, right. Um, right. I'm curious, like what kind of decisions do you make? Yeah, I think it relates a little to, a bit to what I just said about um, being able to assess the underlying technology and market fit. Um, and what I mean by that is um, like I'm, I'm talking with a founder right now who is built a technology that can operate a, a heart monitor that can then enable you to authenticate on the blockchain. And what that could really mean is it can open up the possibility that if you have your, your um, athletic watch, which is keeping track of your heart rate, it will enable you to, let's say, authenticate yourself to your headset or your computer or, or anything that, that requires authentication. That's a massive, really massive potential um, product. But understanding how that works, it gets pretty technical. And I'm a pretty technical person. <laughs> and I like to get in the weeds. And I find myself mostly learning the most with multiple forms of input, like a podcast, like reading a research article, like talking to founders. So being able to assess what the underlying technology is, because as, as I feel a lot of us know, we're hearing these words NFT, we're hearing blockchain a lot, but it's really hard to know what exactly is going on. And so I think that's one area that I would say I spend a lot of time doing and also translating that. So being able to understand, let's say, what a, a blockchain project is doing or an exchange and really digging in and learning about what's happening what are some of the barriers they're facing? How far reaching is it? Will it integrate with other things? Um, so that's probably, those are the kinds of decisions I'm making. And I'm making them because I'm trying to figure out for a particular startup founder or a builder, where will they find the customers, right? Where, where should their time be spent? Um, because if you're a founder, you're facing the challenge, which is, where do you spend your time? There's a million projects. There are a million ways you could integrate your technology to build something great, but you really have to zero it in and make sure that what you're doing makes sense and is going to enable you to get through your, um, 
your, your product journey. So those are some of the decisions that I make. And then I guess the other thing I'll add to that is that um, I'm working with a startup right now that's doing some incredible stuff um, to build out digital learning. And Angela, I know here in Maine, we have a number of um, different initiatives that have focused on digital learning. And I'm excited in a few weeks, we're going to be going to, to Hassan to, to um, talk about XR and the metaverse and get to tour their new building. Um, but this uh, educational um, startup is teaching cohorts of people new skills and helping them connect with business communities in new ways. And a lot of that is making decisions about how do we reach those students and also how do we make it accessible? Like how do we make technology accessible? Because it can be really super cool and you can have the best product in the world, but if people don't understand it, then it's never gonna, it's never gonna succeed. So I feel as though the decisions that I make are alongside other people and helping them navigate that and make sense of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. It sounds fun too. Tell me something that challenges you. I get most challenged when I'm curating experiences and opportunities for people, Um, understanding what someone's fired up about, and then creating meaningful and actionable connections. So I think you and I have talked a lot about this, that when I hear someone talk about, oh, they're, you know, maybe, maybe it's a student that they're looking to get involved in some career, but they don't know where, or it's a, you know, technology founder, or it's a PhD scientist who's been working on some area within precision medicine or, um, biomedical engineering, and they're really trying to either scale or they're trying to, to be able to navigate and figure out what's out there. I'm, I'm one of those kind of, you know, human Rolodex. And, and, and I do that because it engages the creative side of my brain. And so when I can think, oh, you know, you should talk to so-and-so or this organization's doing really something cool. Why don't I connect you? That's, that's where I have found my superpower is and also what challenges me the most. So I'm always listening. And I think the listening side is something that we take for granted or that I guess we, we, we have to really continue to exercise is, is how to listen and what that means to listen. So I'm always listening for, for cues, for, for ways that I can um, help people make those connections. Yeah, I think we have that in common. We're both listeners and we're both connectors and networkers and we want to like match the right people with the right opportunities. Right, definitely, definitely. What advice do you have for a young person looking to get into the technology space? I believe strongly that we have to replace the word networking with engagement. And for me, the difference is that if you are able to be your own investigator um, and tune in to a myriad of different communities, not just those in person, um, certainly um, there are a lot of different organizations, Live and Work in Maine, Project Login, the Rue Institute, 
there are so many free, exciting events happening, both in person, virtually, all the time. I think that in order to take advantage of that, though, you have to really both drive your curiosity, but also be able to tune into communities like what's involved in LinkedIn. And people think of LinkedIn as just a, it's just a job portal site, right? It's a place where people get jobs. Well, it it's so much more than that. It's really, it's a social community. It's a professional community. Twitter spaces, Clubhouse. Um, I just went to a, a platform yesterday called Nowhere. It's a, it's a metaverse where you can, for free, you can, you can go on your browser, go into a, a virtual world, and you can have, um, you can create your own spaces, almost like the old MySpace was, in a, in a metaverse for up to 50 people and you see your own camera. It's not, it's not an avatar and you can have meetings or have social time to connect. I just think that there are so many ways for people to engage. I think it's just a matter of saying both I belong and I say yes. And those two things I think will help someone who's studying IT or security and computing. And then the other thing, the other piece of advice I would say is that if you can get involved in a project, and that project might be um, through the Linux Foundation, they have a whole bunch of ways that students can get involved in a project. Um, And that does so many things. It helps you gain skills. It helps you connect with other with your peers, and it also helps you be seen. And um, you can get involved in an NFT project. If you go on on Discord or or hear about something that looks really fun and cool, look it up, find out what's happening with it, tune in. And nine times out of 10, they always want more people to come and get involved. So I think that, that by getting involved in that way, it will just open your mind to realize that you can be doing, you can do stuff in gaming, you can do stuff in design, you can do stuff in social justice, you can do stuff in mindfulness and meditation and be involved in technology. There's just a whole myriad of different areas that are open to you. Um, But I think that being able to be engaged is really where it all hinges my mind. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really good advice. And to be honest, we're going to include a lot of these um, things that you're referencing in the show notes. So anytime you mention something like the nowhere virtual, you know, metaverse, I'm going to put it in the show notes so that our listeners can learn about it. Definitely. Definitely. What's the culture like in the work you do? It's very collaborative and it is based on the idea that people are learning together. So I started, when I started my career, and I, I think I mentioned to you that I started in fundraising, and then, I, and then we started two companies. And the, the company, Wired Nation, that did IT consulting and security consulting, I began to go to meetings um, like um, OWASP, which is an open web 
um, application security organization. And I began to go to SANS meetings and InfraGuard, which is a, an offshoot of the FBI and ISACA. And these are all information security industry organizations. And I found pretty quickly that I was usually one of a couple women in the room. But what I realized when I really stood around was I didn't let the, the, the dominant male <laughs> influence my realization that I had something to contribute. And in security, what I also learned was that you can't know everything. It is not an industry where you can possibly know everything. It's too multifaceted. It's, it's changing too much. And the same would really go for crypto, blockchain, artificial intelligence, is that all of these things change quickly. And because of that, it, it might feel that it's too overwhelming. And gee, I can't even begin to, to learn about it. But if you look at it a different way and you think of it like we're a village, right? And I need to be able to ask the questions. And once you begin to engage in these communities, you realize that everyone is learning sometimes together, sometimes in groups, or sometimes they're learning something and sharing it with other people. So all of that stuff boils down to we're learning together. And that is what I thrive on because I believe strongly that it does take the village for this work to happen. And um, that kind of is where I like to focus my energy. I also will say that um, inclusivity and diversity is something that I am able to, to live every single day because I work remotely and have for many, many years. So I'm able to engage with people from across the world on any given day. When I participate in XR Women, we have women who are from Africa, they're from Europe, from Russia, from Poland, and it makes it feel like it's all smaller, right? It just brings everybody together. So I think that those two things really, the learning together and the diversity and equity are the two things that I stay really dedicated to. And that, that gives me a lot of energy and passion for what I do. Same. That's what drives me as well. That's sort of what Project Login is grounded in for sure. I'm curious if there's any internships or job shadow or other opportunities for students, either with your work or any of the entrepreneurs or organizations you're a part of? Yes. Um, and, and in fact, uh, I, I have really, I've known about the Linux Foundation for a long time but I only really in the last year or so learned more about how they um, operate their student programs. And they have both scholarships, they have cohort learning programs and projects. So definitely the Linux Foundation is a great one. So in terms of the organizations or the communities that I'm a part of, definitely in terms of internships and job shadows for the Linux Foundation, as I said, they operate chapters all around the globe, and they have student internships, they have scholarships, they have projects. Another organization that has some really interesting stuff is called AI for All. And AI for All is not only a 
educational place for students, but it also is a place for researchers in AI and companies. And they have even some student cohort internship type programming and projects that students can do. In fact, I I just the other day saw something that high school students can do for projects to learn more about artificial intelligence. I think I mentioned to you SANS is one of the really one of the most prominent cybersecurity um, organizations, and they have also student programs as well as the Cyber Patriot program. They also run programs through universities around the United States. And then XR Women and the BRARA also have ways that students can get involved, um, whether that be through Job Shadow or being able to get involved with events. And I know that I talk about this a lot, but there are so many events where there are people talking about their journey into a career So it's such a great opportunity to just hear how other people are doing it. There are a lot of other organizations that I could mention. Definitely the robotics community in Boston is extremely active and they have a bunch of different STEM organizations there that also run programs as well. Nice. So we're at the last question (laughs) and I always ask this. I would love to know what's your favorite place in Maine? I can't believe that you're asking me a single place in Maine, just because I'm a total hiking geek and it's so hard for me to choose. I have a road trek RV too. So I spend a lot of time zipping around all parts of Maine in it. The two favorite places I have are Harpswell and I love it there because it's an old community It's so historic. I feel like I've stepped back in time somehow. And I have a number of friends who have come for stints in the summer. We vacationed there a number of times. And even just because it's so close here, we just go there sometimes to go hiking. And then another spot, which is just a happy place for me, is Parker Pond in Chesterville. And Parker Pond is located right next door to Mount Vernon, which is a tiny little town in Maine. Some really close friends of ours who we knew in Santa Fe have a really special spot, which is just a simple house and they have a dock and my kids and my dog and us all will go there in the summer and sit by the dock, go swimming, canoeing, kayaking, paddleboarding, but any number of, you can find me at any trail at any time. I'm a massive fan of all trails. And so <laughs> I'm always looking and asking recommendations for cool places to see and do in Maine. I love it. Awesome. Well, it sounds like we have to plan a hike together this summer. That would be great. Awesome. I'm always game. Awesome. Well, thanks for being a guest today on the podcast. And I look forward to chatting with you again in person when we do our event at Hassan in a couple weeks. Angela, I really appreciate the time and thank you so much. This has been really fun.